0: I want to take a time to talk about um, my show sponsor which is Live to Fight Design Uh, if you checked out the episode with Sean Clemens, he's the owner of uh, Live to Fight Design and uh, what he makes is uh, banners fight banners for fighters and also gyms fight gyms and uh, I have a promo code with Live to Fight Design which is Todd Atkins my first name T-O-D-D last name Atkins A-T-K-I-N-S all together so if you use my promo code you get 20 dollars off your order and uh yeah you can uh get a pretty good banner made for yourself high quality and uh, ships them out pretty fast so you know i appreciate him take he's the first guy who's taking interest in sponsoring this show and uh i'm proud to have someone who's involved in the fight game rather than someone who's not sponsoring the show so check out live to fight design So live and then the number two. So live to fight design on Instagram. That's where you could contact Sean Clemens. If you have interest in purchasing a banner from him. And if you use my promo code, you get $20 off the order. So please support uh, live to fight design and hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So it's Todd Atkins and. I'm back with Jacob Cooperman, who's been on my show before. And uh, we're going to get into some, a uh, little bit of what he's doing. And then we're going to talk some UFC 290 and a couple other topics. And uh, before we start, as always, as a sponsor, Live to Fight Design, you can see them right above my head there. Um, they have Instagram at Live to Fight Design. The promo code you can see in red is my name, Todd Atkins. They make fight banners and gym banners. If you order through me, get $20 off your order. And uh, Jacob, before we get into the stuff here, kind of tell people who you are for anyone who may not have saw you last time you're on my show.
1: Yeah, so I do commentary play by play. I interview the fighters for a number of local promotions. And then I'm a big UFC guy, combat sports guy, cover a lot of influencer boxing. So really, whatever people want to hear from me, I try to do. And I'm slowly growing up what I hope is going to be a really good career in combat sports. And the last time we talked, I think I had just, I don't know if I had just gotten signed to RFC, but I've done three, I've commentated in three events since then. I'm working on getting more kind of live reps. But, I mean, really nothing's changed. It's been the same goal. Just some of the, I'd say some of the outlets or some of the lanes that I use are different now or have developed a great deal.
0: Now, don't you have some background in radio or isn't that what you do, so to speak?
1: Yeah, yeah. So right now I'm also working on getting something on air at Sirius. I work there. That's why I, we were talking about that right before we recorded. I couldn't catch the prelim fights last night is because I have a part-time position there. And that's kind of where I got my origins from was radio podcasting. I have my own podcast uh, where I don't even necessarily talk combat sports. I'll talk whatever it is with a buddy of mine kind of just react to pop culture stuff and uh, yeah that that's kind of been my background per se yeah.
0: so let's kind of get into ufc 290 i was kind of i had done a show on this earlier but i was kind of saying you know the event was so good i don't always talk about ufc events after the show most of the time i don't but i felt like the show was you know very good most of the fights are really good and there were some storylines coming out of it that i just wanted to to do some coverage of it So maybe let's start with the first one since, you know, Bo Nickel's a guy they're high on. Maybe tell me what your impressions are of, you know, Bo Nickel fighting uh, uh, Val Woodburn.
1: Man, I mean, I don't – see, I was watching, obviously, as I was going back, that fight live, and I tuned in right as the first round started. And Val had been built up as this guy. I think he was 7-0 outside the UFC it wasn't. I don't think it was his debut last night. I think he had had one fight back in August. I, I'm not quite sure, but I know he was this guy that a lot of people expected to really give Bo a run for his money. I saw that all over TikTok. Bo goes in there. Obviously, everyone knows him for his wrestling. Obviously, everyone knows him for his grappling. And he goes in there, and I, I don't want to call it— I want to get your perspective on this too, Todd. I don't want to call it technical clean striking, but— he goes in there and drops just devastating shots, knows when to kind of plant his feet. The first shot that he threw that really had Val stunned, I know you saw it, was that check hook where he kind of leaped in. I don't even know what you call it a check hook. It was like a hook leaping in, really stunned him, and then fantastic finishing instinct to get the job done. A lot of people thought it was an early stoppage. I didn't think so if you looked. Val was kind of hitting a single leg on the referee after he stopped it. So, yeah, man, I mean, there's nothing to say more than, you know, he's looked really, really good thus far. And I think he is one of the most highly hyped prospects out right now. I will say, though, I do want to see him, and I saw the MMA guru kind of mirror my sentiments, or should I say I'm mirroring his because he made the video first. I agree with him in that I'd want to see Bo... Really tested now. Maybe someone in the top ten, top fifteen, towards the back end of the pack. Because I don't want to say he's been crushing tomato cans, but I think that should be he. He is at this point in his career now where, where we got to say, okay, we can put him up against someone that's really, really we know has a track record in the UFC. If that makes any sense, but really good performance nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I mean, first time I saw Bo Nickel, I don't know if I told you this, but the first time I saw him, uh, I had went to a. Uh... Dual meet between Oklahoma State and Penn State. I want to say it was might have been 2017, 2018. I'm not sure it was one of those years. And uh, you know, Gal Arena was sold out. You know, wrestling's popular in Stillwater. And uh yeah. they won the first three matches, and then Bo comes out. He's a freshman at the time. And uh I forgot who he beat, but he pinned his opponent. I think it was 38 seconds. And I remember just the air of the arena just kind of went out, you know, and Penn State won all the matches the rest of the duel, you know. So that's the first time I saw Bo Nickel. So, yeah, I had seen him when he was a freshman wrestler. And one of the things that you had mentioned that I don't think you got deeper into is most wrestlers learn to fight with their strong foot forward, Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of guys that are right-handed fighting southpaw. And I used to train with the guy in Japan, Kid Yamamoto, he was great at this. And he, a lot of the fights, if you go back and watch his highlights, he won with his right hand from a lead stance. And uh, guys aren't used to seeing a punch come that hard from the lead hand like that. And, it was the uh, same. Yeah, I think Bo probably, I haven't gone back and looked, but I'd assume that he's probably right-handed you know so he threw that that punch kind of yep. as a power shot and uh guys have a hard time picking up on that you know from, well, uh, from a southpaw
1: <clears throat> yeah and, and watching it at home i was very surprised and that's the shot un- like without pause that gave me the most that that stick with me the most after the fight was that lead hook that he throws it's really not supposed to have that much power behind it. If you're Mm -hmm. going to watch back the fight, which I assume you will after this, just listen in when it connects because it sounds like a leg kick when it connects. You you could hear the off of that he should not be able to generate that much power, especially when, and I know you know this because you've trained before, A, he's jumping in, right? So he's not really planted until he starts after that hook and he starts moving in on Val and he starts unloading. That's when he plants. He's not planted off of that foot. He's kind of hopping in. As you said, it's with the lead, right? So usually, guys, for anyone that watches this, they'll get the most power on their, you know, backhand hook because it just kind of makes sense. You could rotate your hips into it a little bit better. You can get more power. He somehow throws that in a way where it connects clean and you could see Val kind of pause. And that maybe be like, wow. And I know his, I think his mom or his mother is a as uh, a boxing coach if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. so he's had some training there before it just I was very very surprised man I was very surprised and that I mean I listen I had him winning this fight even then I looked at this performance I was like wow what can this guy do and I think that's what makes him such a good prospect it's not that I, I don't I don't check for him for his personality outside of the ring and then maybe this is a hot take I'm sure he's a nice guy to say okay what sub minute finish is he gonna have i think they've released some crazy stat that in five or four of his five last fights in the ufc or something like that he's had an average fight time of 81 seconds i mean that's that's ridiculous and that's what makes me want to say okay i want to see this guy go and match up against let's just say you know someone in the top 10 at welterweight
0: yeah i mean uh, we've seen a lot of great wrestlers over the years come in the ufc and then kind of cut the progression in half of most people so could he come out and fight someone top 15 for sure I mean he he can always go to his wrestling if things go bad so yeah you could put him in with somebody who's ranked if that's what they want to do he probably could handle it
1: yeah 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 and I think you don't want to rush him right because there's been very many examples of guys that have been rushed so for instance like like Darren Till was kind of rushed where he had all this momentum behind him, and then recently he loses to DDP, drinks um, So you, you definitely don't want to rush him, but you do kind of, as I said, and I think we're both in agreement, you, you do want to see what this guy can do, because, man, I mean, I don't even know if, if trying to think, you know, Leon Edwards, that that's a tough fight, but I think also what makes him so interesting is, you know, to your point, like you said, that you could see him against someone at the top 15. It would be an interesting fight and in that he has that ace up his back pocket, which is his wrestling. But I don't even know, thinking about long term, and this is the UFC fan in me, just like, you know, breaking everything down. And say so like, oh, well, how does he face off against Leon Edwards? I couldn't realistically tell you how he faces off against Leon Edwards. Do I think he's ready? No, but the interest for me partially is like, all right, well, where does this guy land? You know, where does he kind of look at the dichotomy of the top 10 at Welterweight? But, but yeah, again, like I said, really, really fun performance. I kind of felt bad for Val Woodburn, though. Um, back to the drawing board for him. You know, I think he took this fight on short notice as well, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, there, I doubt they would punish him for that.
1: Yeah. You got to get him at least another fight to prove himself. I mean, it was a very, I think it was, I don't even know how many days short notice. But I, I know it wasn't a significant amount of time for him to be. Or yeah. no, he might have been training for a fight in August. That's what I that's what I heard. This might have been his debut. And he was training for another. And then it got scratched. And he's had this time to train. But still, you know, you you feel for the guy. Because uh, I've been seeing a bunch of stuff. Apparently he was, I don't know the, the exact name of the job. But I think he was a landscaper. There's a bunch of videos of him doing landscaping. So kind of one of those guys that you just want to see succeed. Uh, but I'm I'm happy for Bo Nickel, too, and I love watching him fight. He's one of my favorite dudes. If he's on a card, I'm I'm tuning in instantaneously. Yeah.
0: Now, let's kind of get to Jalen Turner and Deion Hooker. I mean, I kind of feel like Hooker was on the verge of maybe being done with the UFC if he lost one or two more fights. And then he comes out and, you know, has this war with Jalen Turner. Maybe talk about that a little bit.
1: That's a fun one, man. Some of those shots that Hooker ate, I was, I was sitting there like, how in the world does he take a flush head kick from Jalen Turner? And he just kind of like, not that he walked it off, but I mean, man, most guys would have fallen to that. I thought he did well. I know he broke his wrist through his arm and really did a good job of fighting back into that fight. Watching it live, I really wasn't even sure who was winning. Mostly because the totally legally streaming service, by the way, that I was using on the train you know, to stream my fights, totally legally, of course, uh, was kind of going in and out during that fight. But it was, I think, one of those ones, one of those wars where I'll think back to when I commentate. I've seen these types of fights before where I'll say on commentary, if I was commentating that fight, man, it's like I would not want to be the judges right now. That's a tough one. It's one where the action is so all-encompassing that you're not necessarily looking at who was pushing forward the most or who was, you know, kind of pushing the action, putting more volume, putting more damage on the other guy. It was just a super duper fun fight, you know, and and credit to Dan Hooker. I don't know if he's gonna really realistically be in the title picture though, but still a fun fight nonetheless, over a really tough prospect in Jalen Turner.
0: Well he could be if he goes on another run. Winning this fight was a big deal for him, you know. Hmm. So it just depends, and I don't want
1: to take anything away from that either. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to diminish his performance, but he's very—he's in the early stages of what I personally hope. Because I'm a big Dan Hooker guy, I, I really like him in what I hope could be a run. But if I was a betting man, I would probably put money down on the fact that maybe he toils around at the to what we said, like the bottom five of the top ten. And probably runs into a brick wall at some point, unfortunately. But, I mean, again, I could literally, you know, we just had this plus C fight with Robert Whitaker where he finished Robin in two rounds and arguably was winning the first. So, realistically, you don't know what's going to happen in the MMA world. But, yeah, I was super-duper happy for Dan.
0: Yeah. Now, this is kind of where we got into a lot of the interesting stuff because the last three fights all had, I would say, some interesting... Maybe storylines going into him, and you know, kind of yep. as the result of the fights as well. So, you know, the biggest one being Drake, I would say Drickus and a uh, Whitaker, just because of what's on the horizon for Drickus if had he won, and and also that I think a lot of people weren't giving him a chance. So, you know, maybe talk about uh, Drickus' performance.
1: Well, I want to get your your thoughts on it in a moment, but I will say I was one of those people. I didn't give Drickus zero chance. I did have an eerie. Feeling in the pit of my stomach that perhaps something like this could happen. I just thought that, and I still do think that, and this is one of the, I was talking to a buddy about this earlier. I think this is one of the, this fight, if you want to bring this to someone and say, give me, if your friend asks you, this is a better way to say, it, if your friend asks you, say, okay, dude, show me a really good metric for what MMA math is, you know, like MMA math, how nothing makes sense. I would say, look at the <laughs> look at the Drake's Duplessy fight against Rob Whitaker because I I do honestly believe that Rob is a, the more well-rounded fighter, the more skillful fighter. Uh, I think a lot of people on paper had him getting the cardio aspect of this fight down. He's more slick. Uh, I I might give Drickus better defense, but besides that, man, on paper, there is no way. And the live odds showed that there was nobody that expected Drickus to take this. And I felt like he kind of really utilized his physicality. Well, because Drickus is not massive for middleweight, but it's quite clear. He's kind of, I, I was made a video on this earlier. He's kind of built like a Dorito. Like he's very wide at the top and then he slims down, but he has that powerful frame where if he gets you down, you're in trouble. Again, I'll, I'll take a page out of MMA Guru's book. He does have that kind of fight, that commandeering sort of thing about him where he can end a fight with his physicality, with his power. And I think that that was the main, the main factor. of this fight is like one fight, one shot can end it all. And, and he was just on a momentum type run. And, and now he's, he's fighting for the belt, which is surreal, but I hope he gets it. I'm, you know, I was sad that Rob lost. I am a DDP fan. Uh, I thought that that kind of post-fight press conference, we were talking about that a little bit last night. And I want to get, I want to have you expand on that a little bit. I thought it was personally kind of cringe. Um, Yeah, super, super happy for DDP. And I'm sure Rob will bounce back and, you know, because he's super duper talented.
0: The beginning of the end of me was the second that Whitaker locked up with him, Duplessis threw him real easily with like a headlock, headlock hip throw. And that was crazy. Then he beat him up pretty badly on the ground. And I saw Whitaker go back to his corners. His eyes were about this big. And, yeah, he, he looked very,
1: very like, oh, my God. I remember yeah, that, yeah. too.
0: When, when you train, you know, even if you're just training in the gym, if you're not fighting professionally, and, you know, you're training with someone that you you kick their ass for a long time, and then all of a sudden you're not, that's how it feels. You know, like the first time it happens, you're shocked, you know, yeah. because I've been smashing this dude for years. And today, I didn't, you know? And when he threw him, he's that's what it was. You know, like, his face was like... I think, you know, Whitaker was complimentary of him, but I don't think he thought Jerkus could beat him. And when he threw him like that, he was like, holy crap, you know? You know what <laughs> you know? it was? He felt his strength. Uh, yeah, no. You know, yes, and then I he got beat up that, after that. That's,
1: that's what I was going to say. My yeah. thoughts exactly is I think it was a combination of saying... Mm-hmm. You know, Rob probably thinking, all right, cool. Let me keep this at range. Let me stay behind the jab. We saw all of the aspects of Rob's game that you would expect that check hook, you know, the one, two head kick. He was pulling out that jab, the one, two. And then to your point, Drick locks him up and, and not even, you know, everyone talks about how he's such a good wrestler. Technically, sometimes I don't see the, the slickness there. He doesn't always follow the correct technical parts or the mechanics of a takedown. But the dude's just so fucking strong that he gets it. And to your point, you see him get a hold of Whitaker, get him down. And I think it was that thing where Whitaker's like, oh, I can't let this guy get close to me at all. And so then it was that mental thing of saying, uh, now Whitaker's like, oh, I have to be perfect the rest of this fight. I cannot let this guy get near me. I can't let him lock up with me. I can't let him get the takedown. Rob tried taking him down. Drickus got back up with relative ease. Uh, Drickus was threatening with, I believe, a Darce choke at some point in that fight. And so I think Rob just realized like, oh, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's a different level of physicality. And I do agree. He probably didn't expect the level of challenge that this fight presented.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when he was on top, he probably felt like a building on top of him. You know, so when he went oh back God. to the corner, he was he was in shock of what what had happened.
1: Probably a little bit exhausted too. Yeah, so I think the fight I've, was I've over right there. Yeah, yeah. I've I've rolled with guys where, and I'm sure you too, you yeah. also have Todd. Where it's like, dude, how do I get this guy off, man? You're trying to talk with your hips, you're trying to create space, turn into him, and just mm-hmm. they're also. I mean, Volk did this I know we'll talk about that fight in a second. Volk did this really well in the Rodriguez. About, which was whenever yair would try to use his length against volk to kind of adjust on the bottom volk would stick right with him and stay close on him and kind of it's like that weighted blanket dagestani type of deal where you're just the guy on top is just so heavy and and is, i think his best aspect to the way that he fights is without a doubt to me how well he understands his physicality and how to use it and weight distribution and the grappling aspect of things.
0: Yeah. And I certainly think that's where he could beat Adesanya if the fight went that way. So he has something that he can beat him with for sure. And even his punches, I mean in MMA you can get beat by guys worse than you standing up. If they catch you, the gloves are too small, you know? And uh, yeah, jab. If, if he, if he blasted him with one on the feet, he could probably hurt him there too. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I was, I'm wondering what – I know you said it was kind of cringe. Maybe talk a little bit more about you know what you were looking at and what you felt. Well, yeah, yeah. About
1: I, I want you to – because I, I don't want to take up all the air time here. Because I know you had – I'll I'll get into my tape. I, I was genuinely curious to see kind of what you thought. Because I, I know the, – listen, the UFC does this all the time. They did it with Sean O'Malley and Aljo, and they've done it before. I remember DC and Brock Lesnar; that was kind of awkward, where yeah. Brock kind of like pushes DC out. Of it. I don't think there's ever really, and I've formulated this take today. I don't think there's really ever a clear and kind of non-cringy way to to set something like that up. But this one, I, I don't know. It took me immediately out of the action. You know, I, I see a lot of people are, are saying the same thing. But what was your take before I get into it?
0: Uh, they needed to let Drickus talk a little bit more you know because Adesanya was kind of grabbing the mic and not letting him say much but then they would have had more of a back and forth you know so that's where I think they kind of dropped it a little bit they had a little bit of a back and forth where he had said I'm African but you're no brother of mine or whatever but they didn't really let them get too much back and forth because Izzy was just taking the mic grabbing it you know so That part, I think they dropped on because it could have been more entertaining had they let it have a little bit more of a back and forth. It was a little, Izzy's always a little cringy to listen to because I don't think he, I don't think it's really, I don't think it's his area of expertise to kind of talk trash, really. Or if he does, he's not good at it. You know, it just doesn't seem like something he's good at. But Jerkis kind of has a little bit of a a humorous personality to him. You know, because the way he, he says stuff that's actually funny, you know, probably not yeah. on purpose, but he does.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I just to your point, I felt like the way is Izzy, Izzy's personality. Say what you wanted about it, cringy, not cringy. You know, nice, not nice. It's very overpowering. Like what part of the reason he's such a good champion? And uh, I'm not personally the best or the biggest fan of the way that he fights sometimes, but. I can argue or not, not argue, but I can I can understand I can conceptualize how good of a champion he is and uh, how many defenses he's had and how many part of I believe what makes him such a good champion is because he has that overpowering type of personality. So we both thought it was cringy, but we're still talking about it. you know then that's part of someone's personality and a fighter's personality that makes them great. It can elicit emotions out of people. And I thought that part of the reason that DDP, excuse me, didn't get to talk was because he doesn't like he might be funny, right? I'm sure he is. And I'm sure he has insightful things to say. and and the the back and forth between them, I think, in the lead up to this fight is going to be awesome. but i I don't think he's as loud of a guy, as boisterous as a guy go- mm-hmm. of a guy as Izzy is. He's not going to have that same aspect to him where, He's got the bling. He's got all this that you know. I think he's much more of a guy to where it's like, all right, let me just let get me in the cage and let's and let's duke it out. I think at the press conference, pre-fight press conference, he only got answered or he only got asked one question,
0: yeah,
1: which is crazy.
0: He'll get asked a lot um, more. When so, fight so comes he's out. yeah,
1: yeah. Hopefully, because you know that man deserves, I think, a lot more respect. And this is coming from a guy that thought Rob would not make him look easy, but I thought, I thought Rob would would kind of. Be able to cruise in there, and that's that's coming from me. I think he deserves a lot more respect, but I don't think he has that back and forth type of personality, especially after a fight. You know, he's just he's kind of like tired. You know, he's a little bit dazed. He got hit in the face, so you know. And, and Izzy, I thought Izzy was a little bit drunk. Did you see that? It, I don't know. I, I don't drink, yeah. so but it looked like Izzy might have been a little bit smirky.
0: Maybe, maybe.
1: Yeah, but interesting stuff, man. I'm, I'm excited to see that fight
0: yeah I think it could it'll be interesting to see how it gets because it could be ugly, you know the the buildup. It's going to be interesting to see how 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 it goes, you know because there's a lot of negative sentiment among South Africa, you know, in Africa and you know, from history, and it'll be interesting to see kind of where that that stuff all goes as far as you yeah
1: i i I hope it just doesn't get to that point. I think this is where you're going with that. I hope it doesn't get to the point where there's it's created more divide. I hope it's one of those moments where these dudes go in, right? Of course, DDP is representing South Africa. And then the way that the UFC, we all, we, both of us know, and the fans know the way the UFC is going to market this is it's going to be Adesanya is going to be Africa. DDP is going to be showing out for South Africa. I hope it could be one of those things where they step in, duke it out. And then, piece it up, right? And then hopefully that creates. I just don't want this fight to create more of a divide. I'd rather it kind of be the 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 aspect of where they understand the reach that they have and the effect that this could have. And it doesn't get too out of hand. You know what I mean?
0: I don't think Duplis will let uh duplessis will no. let will let UFC pigeonhole him into Thank just you. representing South Africa. He he represents Africa. He believes that. All yeah, well, no, Africa.
1: no, I, I don't think it, if if they got if they try to pigeonhole him into anything, I think it would be, yeah,
0: he won't it would not play probably along with that. Is to, what I mean. He he believes he represents yeah. Africa. He's not going to play along with Africa.
1: That. He he has kind of been the guy to where it's been like, all right, that's that's the main, and that's the weird thing too is he's I feel like him and Izzy are both arguing two completely different things. Like Izzy yeah. is saying. You know, this is a much more South Africa versus Africa. but he's kind of just like, yeah, no, dude. I, I forget what he originally said, which I think caused sparked the controversy. Like, I'm from South Africa. I'm actually training in Africa. You've been in, you were born in, you know, so New Zealand or you've been to China. You're not actually ever. So, yeah, it just, I hope that's not where it goes. I hope it's kind of like, even if they marketed it as the battle for Africa. It just has some potential, I think, to get a little bit ugly. I hope it doesn't. I hope – and I don't think DDP would let it again because we talked about it. He's much more of a level-headed guy. I could see Adesanya maybe running with it to generate hype for the fight, but I think DDP is going to stay true to his guns, and I hope they could piece up after the fact. They probably will. There's no – I don't think there's any real kind of uh, animosity there. Like, you look at some of the fights, like, let's just say – and this is an extreme example, but a Connor, McGregor and a Jose Aldo. Like there was real vitriol there. Uh, This is kind of just like, I could, I could easily see them piecing it up after the fact.
0: I think they have animosity for sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
1: But do you think, do you think it's on the level of, um, do you think it's something to where they, if they came together, they couldn't say, all right, let's put this behind us.
0: Oh, I don't know. The, the fighters today are weird. Um, you know, in the early days, the guys didn't do that stuff. If they didn't like each other, it didn't end after the fight was over, you know, a lot of times. It was more personal. And I think Izzy's taken that personal because, you know, du- Duplessis kind of saying, look, I represent Africa and you guys don't. You guys left Africa to be successful and I didn't. You know, you guys you guys don't represent this country and I do. And the, he, he takes that personal. I think Adesanya takes that personal because... You know, it is his roots. Even if they, if his family left early, you know, he is from Nigeria, and you know, I think he takes that personal. That
1: what what I'm trying <laughs> to say is like I'm trying to find another good benchmark or metric to to try to compare this fight to. I think the buildup between. U- Usman and Covington, I think, was a step above this in terms of intensity. And where if Usman saw Covington, it would probably be, you know... Or even, like, Covington with Masvidal. You saw that after the fact of the fight. Masvidal attacks him. I I don't think that this... I guess you could call it a rivalry. I don't think this will have long-standing... I could easily... What I'm trying to say is I could easily... See them sitting down at some point, especially with the the weird like tour that Izzy's been going on, where especially with a guy like Pereira, he seemed to have pieced it up with Pereira with John Jones. I, I don't think, and I, I guess I don't hope as well, that this is going to be a long term issue, you know.
0: The other thing that I think makes it a little bit different is I don't think Adesanya expected to be fighting him, you know. I think he thought yeah. Whitaker was going to beat him, like most people did. And, you know, he stomped Whitaker in the ground and, you know, he was he was probably a little shocked by that, too. And now he's like, holy, I am going to have to fight this guy, even if he talked like he knew he didn't know, you know, and now he's like, now I am going to fight this guy. And he's already in Izzy's head because of the stuff he said before. You can see by the way Izzy reacted. He's already in his head, you know, and he's going to get more in his head as this stuff starts to build up. Because now it's just him. I thought it was him. funny. All the questions he gets asked in interviews, all the questions he gets asked in the media that they do. Now there's going to be a lot more stuff come out.
1: It'd be a lot of heat, a lot of heat behind it. It was funny too. Someone said because ESPN MMA posted the full video of Izzy being in the crowd, like staring him down, pointing at him. Someone said Izzy always acts as if he's in his own movie scene, which I thought was really funny. You know what I mean? Like Izzy always acts like he's in some MMA warrior type of boxing film. It's very funny. But to your point, dude, I'm I'm excited to see what this uh, what this fight will bring. Not even outside the cage, but also inside the cage. Like how does a guy that's also very physical that I thought gave Izzy a lot of issues and even won against Izzy was was Yan up at light heavyweight. And I'm not saying that Driggers is exactly the same fighter as Jan, but I think he has that same ace up his sleeve, which is the physicality. Yon's another dude that's kind of built like a box. You know, he's like a big, strong, stocky guy. So I, yeah, I, as far as anyone's came to being Izzy's kryptonite besides Pereira, which is just, you know, God level striking being six foot four. I think that's we've seen this kind of blueprint before. And I think that C will, probably give him a very very good run for his money and really present a unique threat to to Izzy in a big way. So I'm dude I'm oof. I'm I'm amped. I'm pumped.
0: Yeah I would watch it for sure. You know there's not always fights that one I already know I'm gonna you know you gotta <laughs> mark
1: it down on the calendar. Yeah that
0: one I'm gonna watch I don't care what the card is, you know. Now let's kind of get into Brandon Moreno and Pantoja, which was you know just amazing fight. Yes um Man, it's hard to really. What What did you think of it? Maybe talk about your thoughts about the two two guys and the fight itself.
1: Uh, two dogs, obviously, figured out that, or I figured that that Moreno would be in this type of fight and that Alessandro Pandoz would be in this type of fight. I thought that. I mean, both dudes fought great, and it was very close. I know there was a little bit of controversy with one of the the scoring. Cards from the judges that gave it like forty nine forty six to to Brandon Moreno, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Too close for that, but that's that happens with MMA judging. It's kind of like you expect it now. I was sad that Moreno lost. Do I care for Alexandria Pantoja as or Alessandro Pantoja as a champion? No, I don't. I don't strongly dislike him, but I also don't strongly like him. I just kind of feel like meh. Am I going to tune in to watch his title fights? No. Was Dana probably a little bit bombed that Moreno, a guy that's so marketable, is no longer the champion? Yeah, but I'm also happy for Pantoja. It looked like he got pretty emotional. He fought a great fight. I thought at, towards the end in that fifth round, his control on the back of Moreno, and I think he had a takedown in there. I have to rewatch the fight, but I feel like that solidified him that contest and the knockdown early. So he, he had, I thought he did a really good job at utilizing those really big moments where he needed to get something done, I thought he did a really good job of capitalizing on those. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Moreno, they'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully he gets another run at the at the strap, you know, rematch. But it's also crazy in that that'll be there. If, if Moreno gets a rematch now, that'll be their fourth fight. And undoubtedly, Moreno will be the first guy in history to have two quadrilogies on his resume, which is insane to think about.
0: Yeah you know, his boxing looked really good. I thought Moreno, you know, he just couldn't put Pantoja down, you know, the guy, the guy was just super durable. And, but I do think his wrestling took a step back. And the one thing that I have brought up with Derek earlier is, uh, you know, Moreno had originally moved out to glory, you know, or in Missouri, he didn't move there, but he was training there for his fights and, you know, he thought he was going to have this great pairing with uh, James Krauss You know, he had the one fight with him with Kai Car France, where he he looked really good against a guy who's yeah. very good. Kai Car France, a very good fighter. And then all of a sudden, you know, of no fault of his, crosses out of the picture, and now he's got to you know find another gym to train at. He did have another fight before this one with Fortis, but. That's one thing, you know. Like I saw his corner; he's got one guy yelling at him in English, one guy yelling at him in Spanish. You know, there's like his corner seemed kind of disjointed, you know, and those kind yeah. of things. I I wonder would it have been different with a James Krause, had they been able to keep going. You know, you, you kind of wonder if, how he would look now. Yeah, I thought his boxing looked really good though.
1: It, no, his his boxing's always <laughs> yeah. solid.
0: Yeah. Thought his boxing looked good. I thought he, you know, he threw some good elbows in there too. With it. his offense looked really good, but I think his wrestling took a step back, you know, because he got taken down a lot, and that's why he lost the fight. Um, and usually he's strong there, and I think Kraus also, you know, he, he's known for game planning, you know, so to like a over, you know, like a crazy degree. So
1: yeah, I think I think Pantoja is a very physical dude too. And he fights that way. He fights like a guy that kind of almost, he has that same aspect to Duplessis where it's, he, oh, you know, hunt you down, right? I think they said on the, the broadcast, like, he's a hunter. He walks you down, stalks you. He capitalizes on your mistakes. He's just very, very physical. He's very in your face. And, uh, you know, while I don't really, I'd have to, again, look take a look back to see if his grappling really did take a, a a step back the way you said. I think it was, the overarching theme of that fight was, like I said, in big moments, Pantoja was kind of the more, the more bully uh, of the two of them. The more, the guy that could say, all right, in these big moments, I'm going to drop Moreno. I think that was the first round where he dropped him, right? with a with a hook I think and then you know in that last round I'm going to backpack him make him wear his own weight in mine I'm going to take him down control him open him up with a nice shot with a nice elbow back from the first round I thought that he just in a dog fight he was the dude that was leading the dance in terms of intensity and in terms of again that that physical presence but uh, Moreno fought great dude his his boxing is always really fun to watch especially when they were it was like the middle of the fight and they're just going back and forth, just dr- trading bombs. So fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible fight. You know, that's why I'm saying it's kind of hard to talk about it because it was such such a good fight, you know, and both guys, it's a competitive fight, you know, and it's just one of those that kind of leaves you a little speechless, sort of. It'll be interesting to see, like I said, Dan was talking about having them do it immediately again. You know, you always wonder where the loser goes if they don't do it immediately again so it's yeah it's going to be going both
1: ways i could i could see the ufc saying okay again like i said before let's give moreno the benefit of the doubt he's been a consummate champion for a while he's given us some of our best fights at that weight class we're going to give him that like or saying to introduce a little bit more parody into the division, we have this new champion in Alessandro Pantoja. Let's face him up with some of the young and hungry up and coming prospects in that, like a Roy Val or someone else of that nature. I could see them easily saying, "Yeah, let's let's see about that," and then, you know, pairing Brandon Moreno up with someone else. If he wins that, then he gets another crack at it, which they did before with when he I forget which fight out of the quadrilogy it was, but he he went down and he had to face, like you said, Kai Kaikara France for the interim championship. I could see them also doing something like that easily. Yeah.
0: Now, so we get to the main event, Rodriguez versus Volkanovski. Now, this one I was interested in because I wanted to see kind of how Volkanovski was going to deal with someone who does things a little bit differently. It's kind of long, you know, dangerous. And uh, there was some you know, some hairy moments for him here and there. I thought Rodriguez was starting to find his groove in the third round when Volkanovsky dropped him, actually. He was having a good round. But uh, ultimately, if Volkanovski comes out and wins and gets a stoppage, you know, what can you say about him? You know, what can you not say about him? He's
1: just a gamer, dude. I, yeah. That's why I, I enjoy him so much. Uh, he's one of – it's funny. I was thinking about this to myself. He's the first real dominant champion fighter that in my age of watching MMA, that I really root for, because I'm not necessarily. I, and again, it's not because I dislike Izzy as a person, but I always find myself rooting against Izzy. Uh, I rooted for Leon when he faced off against Usman. Um, I rooted against Usman a lot of the times when he fought. Uh, who was you know um, Burns, Gilbert Burns? I didn't root for. I rooted for Usman when he fought Moswell. But this, the point is. There is a guy now that I could root for in a a Volk that's just so damn likable, but also is a gamer. Like he 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 knows what to do to get the the job done. And that's really cool to see because I feel like that makes him more a, it makes him more likable. It makes him also be more relatable to the fans, you know, because you you look at him, he's like, All right, every single fight he's had, there's been people saying, like, wow, dude, this might be the toughest, or I don't know if Volk can get this done. I was one of those people that said, all right, yeah, Yair with his length, with his Taekwondo, with his long-range kicks, that's going to be something new that Volk hasn't seen yet. That's going to be something that's going to be dangerous for Volk. How is Volk going to close the distance? How is Volk going to get inside? But then Volk comes out, especially in the Islam fight, and it's just like, oh, yeah, Volk's Volk's on this level. It's kind of like he has to remind you, Every single time is like, yeah, no, I'm I'm they call me Alexander the Great for a reason. I come out here and I figure out a way to to make it either a a competitive fight like the Islam fight or B make guys like a year. And I, I don't want to take anything away from a year, but you, he figures out ways to make guys like a year kind of just look like maybe they're at the other end of the top 10 instead of a surging prospect. You know, it, it's crazy to me.
0: I don't think Jair came looking like he was on the other end. He definitely looked good. And like I said, I think he was starting to find his rhythm when Volkanovski clipped him with that shot. But, you well, know, Volkanovsky's about... just so good that yeah, I feel like Jair's I... close. He's right there, but, you know, he's got some deficiencies in the, in the wrestling and the ground that are holding him back from being as good yeah, as well... he could be.
1: When I when I say made him look like he's closer to the bottom end of the top ten, I don't mean that. And this is why I said I don't mean to diminish him. Yair is a very talented fighter that most certainly deserves his his ranking in the ratings or his yeah his ranking in the power. I just think that Volk by comparison is like up here, and so it's almost like you make like you make another one through ten on top of. The one through ten of the division, and Volk's all the way on top. It's just I say that to say, you know, he shows every single time that it's like there's levels to this. Whether he's going up against Islam, Islam is extremely talented, extremely dominant, and Volk gives that guy a run for his money. And then you say, okay, he's going in there with the Yair, and it's like, all right, Yair presents some issues, but then Volk's going to make him look like, hey, there's levels to this. And now we're talking about ever since he beat Yair, ever since he beat Yair twelve hours ago. People are talking about Ilya Teporia facing off against him. Everyone says, like, oh, yeah, no, Ilya has no way of winning this, uh, which would be funny if, if Ilya actually gives Volk, like, the biggest test of his career. I, I would find that very highly entertaining, which could very well have. I mean, again, it's MMA. But that's what I mean when I say that, man, is is he takes guys that are world-class quality and kind of just makes it look like, wow, yeah, this is a – there's, again, levels.
0: Yeah, I mean, Taporia might be an interesting matchup too because his strengths kind of are similar to Volkanovski's. He's he's a really good boxer like Volkanovski. He's very good on the ground like Volkanovski. Uh, I don't know if his wrestling's as good as Volkanovski's, but his strengths are similar to Volkanovski's strengths. So it might be interesting to, but it seems like Volk wants to move up and fight Islam again. So, but I think that'd be a mistake because I think Islam's would have a lot more success against him this time because he got, he, yeah, because I think him and Khabib and those guys would go back and look at the things they did wrong as far as the wrestling went, you know, even Khabib said that there were some small things he did that, you know, allowed for Volkanovsky to, you know, get away and, you know, they would, they could correct those things. And I think they would because yeah, he's the bigger guy and, they would they would figure out a way to make it less of a competitive fight this time, I think. And remember Volkanovsky, when they stood up, Volkanovsky hurt. <laughs> I I mean some hurt Volkanovsky yeah. when yeah. they were standing up. So it's not like he was getting he was getting the worst of it on the stand up either. You know, it was a competitive fight, but I think they could go back and say, okay, how can we do that make this to where it's not competitive? And I think they would be able to do it.
1: And there is a very real potentiality for that happening but I want to use that as kind of an example for why I believe so many people why I enjoy watching Volk fight is Volk could look at that and Volk might agree and Volk would be like listen but I have to I have to try to go and get this Yeah, like that I think the yeah like that's that's the aspect of his mentality that I enjoy the most is he's going to be always a guy to say the, the, the most dangerous motherfucker you got in the division whatever it is give me that person because that's how much I want to be great. And I just, I appreciate that so much about him, man, is is he always is going to go out and again, at the very least figure out a way to get it done. But yeah, I, 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 with the way that they have the camps there over at AKA and, and, you know, the training with Javier Mendez, DC, you know, Islam has all these really, really talented dudes in this corner. I could easily see it being something where, Islam adjusts the second time around and it's a whole new different type of threat. So, uh, yeah, but either, either way, I'm, I'm super invested.
0: Now I'm going to run a couple of things by you that I talked with them. Yeah. I think I've talked to Derek about, um, a while back. So one thing they were talking about Ronda Rousey coming back to the UFC. Do you think that's going to happen?
1: I don't know, dude. I mean, it... I don't honestly. I can't say that weirder things have happened. They might have. I mean, it depends on how you view CM Punk coming into the UFC. That was uh, that was definitely like a fever dream of uh, what was that? Two fights, two fights stint. Yeah. Um, so I I could say maybe that weirder things have happened. If it happened, would I be like, oh my god, what's going on? No,
0: right. Do I think I mean, it's the
1: best yeah. idea? Probably not, because the sport has progressed so much and. Uh, you know, I I do think that she'd have a real big test on her hands. I don't. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't I couldn't see that really occurring.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to happen either. But I know people are talking about it and maybe her getting an immediate title shot and all this stuff. But I just I don't that, see any uh, I don't see any validity to it myself.
1: An immediate title shot would be foolish. I mean, that's yeah. just like, come on. But let's let's be realistic here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now maybe we could talk a little bit about I know because you've been doing some stuff on influencer boxing. Yeah. So so let's kind of get get into that. You know some of the oh. stuff you talked about.
1: Well, what do you, what do you want to talk about? I mean, I I don't know if you heard the kingpin promotion just went under. Well, it's it's kind of I mean I made a video about it. This is always what happens, dude. Is I'll make a video on something. I'm sure you know the same as like we 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 both kind of try to be guys that cover the scene, you'll make a video and then immediately, you're definitely better at this than I am, but I'll make a video on something and then immediately new breaking news happens. So, for instance, Kingpin, the influencer promotion that featured a Gibb, King Kenny, uh, who else, Austin McBroom, all these types of people, apparently goes bankrupt. So I make a video about that, I upload it, and now there's a little bit of kind of smoke in the air about whether or not it's truly going bankrupt. Nobody really knows what's going on. It might still be financed. That's kind of what I've been covering. It it has been a very outside of that, a very slow month I found for influencer boxing news. And that's what most of the people that tuned up to my channel like to see me talk about is, uh, is that influencer section. I get a little bit of play talk in MMA, a little bit of play talk in boxing, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. We had, I know your, your, your guy, uh, Salt Poppy, I made a video on him instantaneously got all the Filipino fans and they're very, I got to give it to them. You know, they, they, a lot of them did tell me to kill myself, but they are very nationalistic. So it's it, not nationalistic, not a word, but they're very, they have a lot of national pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely, it's a wild ride when you talk about influencer boxing at all.
0: I'm going to be in the Philippines here in a couple of weeks, you know, for about three weeks near the end of July. So, <laughs> Yeah.
1: Ask them what they think of gloves up and uh, they'll probably, <laughs> there's going to be like a, a warrant out for my, uh, for my murder. That's, that's what it felt like, dude, is like, I have, if you go to the video, I think it's sitting at around 27, 28,000 right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, 60, 70 comments, most of them being like, you know, kill yourself, you know, fight salt poppy. It's like, dude, I just started training two months ago. I think Cell Poppy would, add, and I'm not too proud to admit it, I think Cell Poppy would put me out of consciousness. But, I you know, I I wanted to make an honest video about where I thought that someone could kind of exploit his skill set. I also gave him his props. Like, we talked about this on the show that was supposed to come out, but then we had technical issues. I listened back, and I didn't honestly think I was being negative. I was just kind of giving my honest analysis. And, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, you know, you showed Poppy the video, and even Poppy was like, "Yeah, that's a good video." You know, I think he's wrong about certain things, but it's a good video. So it's very funny when guys who I make the videos on are like, "Yeah, you know, cool, good guy, good video," and then his fans are just like, "Dude, yeah, you know, he'd fuck you up." Um, it's fun. It's always it's always hilarious.
0: Yeah. You no, know, my wife. Uh, I met my wife in Honolulu, but she's she's Filipino, you know, and so. I haven't even been to the Philippines yet, but yeah, I'm going to be gone over there. I'm going to make a plea of salt happy here. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> you became salt happy by doing, you know, this, you know, salting food, you know, eating slow motion, you know, stuffing your face with like Jolly Bee. You know, I don't know if you ever had Jolly Bee fried chicken. I got to try it. Good stuff, man. You can get it in the US. There's a few places where you can get it. Is it in New York? You might be able to get some. I mean, New York's huge. You would think they have a bee, But, Probably. you know, and he had this little short haircut, the Edgar haircut or whatever they call it, like the bowl cut. You know, so these things, it's like you take the uniform off and you, you can't continue to be salt-happy if you're not salting food and stuffing your face in slow motion and running in place. These are all things that are part of the the image, you know, so when you have to box without all this, you now he's got a perm, you know, he's not doing the... So it's like, it's hard to take it off. It's like a pro wrestling thing, you know? You have to be that. You know? Do you, do you think that I lost him his last fight? <laughs> no, no. no. no I'm probably I'm, I'm probably not, around. but, you know, it's still... That's where the power comes from, assaulting the food and eating in slow motion. That's where all this the power comes from the momentum comes from all of that
1: who do you you think he fights next i'm very curious
0: i don't even know i don't know a lot about influencer boxing anymore and it kind of feels like there's a lull and i know jake paul's getting ready to fight nate diaz but apparently they they're not selling squad on tickets they may have overdone themselves by having it where they're having it you know aren't they having it in cowboy stadium or something something
1: like that yeah Yeah, and they're
0: getting killed i mean they aren't the tickets aren't selling scalpers aren't even buying them up so you know i don't know it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that fight because i didn't think diaz looked good against ferguson and i didn't think jake paul looked good against tommy fury you know jake paul spent most of the fight hugging him and when they weren't hugging i thought fury was better than him which is probably why Paul was hugging so much. And I think that's going to be, he'll have a hard time hugging Nate Diaz because he's used to fighting in the clinch and breaking the clinch. It's going to be a lot harder for him to hug the entire fight away. Dirty boxing. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. You know, I I know some people think it's, you know, like uh, the matchroom boxing guy. I keep forgetting his name. Eddie Hearn yeah yeah he said it wasn't going to be close. so I don't think so. I think it you know it'll probably be similar to a lot of the fights Diaz has where he kind of starts out slowly and then as the fight goes yeah. on, he's going to start to pick up his pace and it's going to be interesting to see if Jake Paul can kind of stay with him at that point.
1: I think we're two of the <laughs> we're we're two of a very few or a very small sector of people that actually are interested and think this fight could be competitive i got a ton of flack just talking about comments on the video when i made a video saying that going to diaz could be one of the best things that jake paul has ever done now obviously the ticket sales aren't where they need to be but i didn't really subscribe to this this uh, notion that people were putting forth that's like okay yeah you know jake got his ass whooped by a real boxer and tommy fury and now he's going back to MMA. I just think that Nate Diaz, the way he fights, so unorthodox. Like you said, he's used to the physicality of being in the UFC, the gas tank. Uh, I think that's gonna present a real challenge for 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 Jake. You know, and, and I think that the weight difference, the size difference is not that steep either. So I agree. This could be a very, very competitive fight. It probably will be a very competitive fight whether you want to say that there's some fixing going on behind the scenes to make it that way I don't know but I, I think it's gonna be an entertaining fight and I don't understand why everyone is I, I mean it's kind of just the thing right now to hate on Jake Paul so I try not to uh to just jump on the bandwagon I, I'm definitely gonna tune in I'm not gonna pay for it I'll totally legally stream it of course but I'm not I don't think I would pay the uh the pay-per-view price
0: right yeah I, I think it's compelling but the problem with influencer boxing is I don't what else is out there
1: Nothing right now. KSI, I, mean, that's kind of...
0: I don't know a lot about these other guys like KSI. I know he's famous and if he has a fight, a lot of people probably watch it over in England or wherever it is. But I don't know a lot about him really. The, I know a well, lot I about may... Salt Poppy for obvious reasons, but I don't know a lot about KSI. I never saw him on TikTok or any of that stuff. Salt Poppy, I saw he, him on TikTok. Is... That's why I knew who he was. Yeah. I
1: To me, and I made a number of videos on this. The problem is with a lot of the influencer boxing scene right now and it's kind of been it's kind of been shown in some of these influencing promotions or influencer promotions shutting down recently it's, it's very top heavy it's very saturated at the top so you have your salt poppies you have your ksis your jake paul's you have like six or seven guys and girls that are very well known can put on entertaining fights and outside of that the interest starts to wane because it is based not only on the boxing so it doesn't just draw in the boxing fans You also have to worry about the fans of Saul poppy that don't watch boxing, the fans of KSI that don't watch boxing. There's that influencer component to it. And I think the, the problems that they've had have been putting on cards where the quality of the fights go down and the people on them, the people fighting are less known. That is always been for me, the challenge that they have to get over and you see that even in a kingpin type promotion where they have top of the line guy, like King Kenny's a good fighter. If you want to watch Todd, like any, any real uh, fights of his, you could see that he knows what he's doing. He's technical, he's long, he has knockout power. He's fun to watch. Even a promotion that has him in there is struggling to find traction because of their quarterfinal matchups and because they weren't that interesting. So, in an age where, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about the whole Luke Thomas thing with Elon and Zuck, in an age, where people are very interested and I believe, in in much more of a circus type of aspect to fights. How do you put on entertaining fights? How do you put on captivating and kind of compelling bouts when you don't have that top six litter to pull from, where you don't have a salt poppy on your card? And that's very difficult. And that happens a lot with promotions that are just starting up. Like you've been around, I'm sure, a lot of smaller promotions. You were telling me that you went to one the other day. That's what happens is, is a lot of them kind of sputter and, and fall because they don't have those it all starts with the fighters man and if you don't have entertaining fighters that could put on entertaining fights then you're shit out of luck.
0: Yeah, I mean there are a lot of promotions uh <clears throat> I'd say because of the the casinos, you know, a lot of states have legalized gambling, they have Indian casinos or whatever. A lot of states have those. So I think uh a lot of these shows get deals with these casinos, and so they can put on shows, and it's not a big problem going out, like you said, bankrupt. But these shows, like influencer boxing, where you're having them, like in England, these places like that, I don't think they have that kind of a. And it's not small. They're trying to make these shows big, not small. You know, they're not staying within a mediocre budget. <clears throat> so, it's kind of like hit a home run or flame out, one or the other. You know, there's yeah, no in between. It's a good point. You have
1: to you have to pay this top level talent a top dollar. And that's kind of what happened to Kingpin is if I'm if I'm to believe what I've heard is, you know, that's that's kind of they had to pay all these guys and and you know, they kind of just flamed out.
0: Yeah. Now the Miles Zuckerberg stuff, I know you brought up the loot Thomas video. Yeah. Um and we didn't get to put out the last one. But what I was saying is, you know, Luke comes from a time like me where we could see the fights we wanted to see pretty consistently. Because you had two competing entities that were trying to outdo each other in the UFC and Pride, you know all the best fighters are fighting in one of those two promotions primarily. Which now that's not the case. You don't have like a second to the UFC. Bellator's not really a real second. PFL's not yet either. Um, Ryzen's just starting to come back up in Japan, but they're not there. So it's you don't have these competing factions that are putting on the fights you want to see all the time and. For us, it's like, like I told you before, I would beat Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg in a jiu-jitsu match right now, easily. You know, I trained for 15, 16 years. So MMA, who who knows, you know? I don't know, but you know, maybe one of them would knock me out or something. But, you know, in jiu-jitsu, I'd beat either one of those guys easily. And so for me, it's like watching these guys, I know the fights are not going to be very good, and the, you know these guys are older, too. It's not like they're young, you know these guys. got so you're gonna see a sloppy fight. It's probably not gonna Definitely. be very technical um yeah, it's gonna be hard to watch, I would think it's just that they're famous. That's the only thing that people want to see it if they weren't if they were not Mark Zuckerberg and not you know if it's me and you no wanna see it, you know what I mean yeah yeah and and
1: that's I mean i I couldn't agree more. Uh, I don't think that people are going to tune into this expecting, and this is kind of my position that I maintain, is I don't think people are going to this expecting something to say, like, all right, we're going to see Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman, three-level quality. It's like, yeah, no, it, I think it's, it's kind of the same thing that probably attracts a lot of people to the influencer boxing scene, which is... I want to tune in to see, even though I know it's not going to be top level quality, and even though I know that I could probably, and you could probably beat these two guys in a fight realistically, I don't even come at it from the perspective of a combat sports fan. I come at this from the perspective of watching a viral fight compilation, where someone is on the side of the street, just like, you know, someone gets body slammed, the baby's like, oh, you know what I mean? It's that type of aspect for me. And I understand, And the more I thought about this after our first conversation, the more kind of leeway I wanted to give Luke and the more I might be privy to or prone to kind of walk back some of my statements from the video I made. I understand now a little bit more why Luke might be pissed as to him having to report on it. I also kind of feel like if if you're Luke Thomas, you have your own show, you don't, of course, have to report on these things. You know, if you're so against it, you could just not give it the airtime, but I understand he wanted to kind of make a statement. Um, I, I could see though why he'd be, he'd take it as an affront to the professionalism of MMA. I just don't also think he's viewing it in the right lens. I think he thinks a lot of fans are tuning into this as MMA fans. I think he's kind of viewing this from the lens because he must be, an absolute. I mean, it goes without saying that he's a gigantic MMA and combat sports fan. I think he's viewing it through that lens, and I think it's very important that we don't mix in this fight with MMA and combat sports because to do that, and I know you'll agree with this, Todd, to do that would be an absolute <laughs> insult to uh, the sanctity of combat sports. I think this this fight should be treated as if it were, again. To, to, to two of your drug buddies wrestling in the background or the backyard, and you kind of like take a video of it, and you sell it in high school for five dollars to people. I think that's that's the extent to which we should view this fight, and that's where I, I kind of differ with uh, with Luke Thomas.
0: I don't think it's because he's angry about having to report on it necessarily. I think what he's talking about is this is where we are. This is where we are as fight fans. You know, the UFC on one hand you get shows every weekend you know they put on a a ton of fights but you don't get the now i do think they're going to have one here like i said with drickus and adesanya where people have already wanted to see them fight before this fight was over this whitaker fight so they're going to have several months of vitriol to build up that fight but usually we're if we're getting a big fight like fantoja moreno there was no build up for that fight it was amazing but there was no buildup for it. it's just we have a fight coming up you know you know saturday another fight another ufc the car was amazing but there was no buildup for these the, the only one that had buildup was tricus dupluses because yeah had this other angle going on so you don't really get the buildup that you had back you know uh, in the early 2000s you know early to mid 2000s where you have fights that you're waiting months and months and months for, and they're announced three, four months out, you know, and UFC has so many shows they couldn't build a fight up they wanted to unless it just kind of happens, like this one with Adesanya and DuPlessis. I don't think that was his intention when he made those statements either, Drick. It just kind of, he made a statement and it just blew up, yeah. And now, that one's going to get built up the way a big fight you'd see it get built up. Well,
1: Uh, Let me just push back
0: a little bit with this. I understand
1: what you mean and you look back at some of those. Like UFC, one thing I I remember you saying on the the original show that we ended up having to cam was UFC used to be the best of the best from each martial arts discipline. So it would be like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, Hanzo Gracie versus uh, a judo guy, right? And that's really, really, I think, awesome. I've watched some of those old fights and it was some of the craziest, most entertaining back and forth action. But with that aspect of these are the best, these are the most, stand. almost like a Mortal Kombat tournament. These are the standout dudes from each fighting discipline. They're going in there, they're duking it out. But I would offer this, and this is the other thing that I kind of took issue with, with what Luke Thomas was saying was, is it really that the UFC can't give the fans the fights wanna, they want to see or the buildups they want to see, or is it that A, the talent pool has greatly increased, And so, B, we don't have. At the same time, we are, I I believe, with what the UFC has now in terms of talent pooling, we get really quality fights, fights Mm -hmm. that the fans do want to see. I was super duper hyped to see Volk versus Islam, you know, like Volk versus Yair, really interesting fights. I think the problem, and this this would be, for me, if you brought this up or Todd brought this, or excuse me, not Todd, uh, if Luke brought this up, I would say, yeah, this is a very, very apt argument or an apt criticism is how much of it is UFC not having the infrastructure or that kind of athlete, like a McGregor, like a Ronda Rousey, that brings that, elicits that emotion out of the fans that we would want to see, you know? So I think with what, The UFC, I think it's kind of an unfair assessment for Luke to say that with what the UFC has, they don't put on fights that the fans want to see. I think that they do a very, very good job at utilizing what they have, especially if you look at this year alone, utilizing the athletes that they have to make really compelling arguments. And you talk about why UFC is number one. I think that's one of the biggest reasons.
0: Well, I think the biggest reason is they can flood the market with their product. You know, PFL can buy Bellator, but if they can't put on shows every weekend, it's not going to happen. You know, because the UFC it doesn't matter how good your event was. You could put out an amazing event yesterday. You mm-hmm. you you put on some amazing event in New York. I put on 10 events between now and the next time you do your next one. Who's going to win me because I'm I'm flooding out what you had. Yeah, you just had a great event. I have an event next weekend, the week, after, the week after, the week after. You know what I mean? And they'll forget about your event, the great event you put on, you know, because the UFC can put there. And I have an event that the week that you have your show, too. So not only that, you know, you had your great event. I had a show, too, on ESPN, you know. So it's like you got to be able to flood the market just like them or they're just going to drown you out. It doesn't matter if the product they're putting out is great all the time. It doesn't have to be. They can just, you know, as long as they're consistent, Saturday, 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 you know, one after another, it's going to be hard to compete unless you can do it too. And that's why PFL needs to acquire Bellator, you know, that's why they're trying to. They need to have more talent, infrastructure bigger talent. roster. <clears throat> they yeah. also don't have the farm league that the UFC has. The UFC has about a half a dozen promotions that are owned by different managers that all do the Ty UFC's cool bidding. In. Yeah, Yeah. And they have their Dana White Contender Series. So they have a massive, you know, kind of farm league, you know, spread out where they can just get all the fighters they need. Yeah, man. I, and and that's a good
1: point. You know, I wonder also how much of that is if you're putting on an event every weekend, you know, and you kind of said this is like the quality, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily if it goes down. Enough. But I, I do think that with the amount of stuff that the UFC kind of puts on, they do a very good job of making fun cards to watch and that's the other thing too is is that's the other i just feel like the ufc does do a good job even though they are flooding the market and even though they do have the flashy espn deals and that's going to block a lot of other promotions for coming up i feel like another conversation could be had about taking the roster that the ufc has and the depth at which that roster is is operating at and still Having guys, remember, for instance, like uh, Mike Mollo or Mal, I think it's Mike Mallet. He's a prospect out of Canada. You know, I I know him because I think he he fights at welterweight, and unfortunately, he took out Mickey Gall, who I who I know sort of well. But Mickey's a really good guy, so I was sad to see him go. But you know, it, it, you talk about what the PFL. I don't know many of the guys at depth there. I know kind of mm-hmm. some of the bigger names that come over from the UFC. With the UFC, though, they do such a good job at kind of giving their athletes avenues to grow and expand. That I know of a Mike Malo or uh, or a Mal. I keep saying Mike Malo. Mike Mallet. I know of a let's just say a Brandon Roy Val that's a little bit lower down in the rankings. I know of you know the so I think the UFC also does a very very good job of kind of maintaining the people that aren't necessarily at the top. And I I do think, you know, I just, I I really don't think that Luke's comments about the way he, the way he kind of phrased it was that the UFC somehow doesn't want to give fans just because what, like the, the Connor versus Chandler fight, which since we last talked, I'm kind of a little bit more so on the side of where where you're at and where Luke is at, which is like, it's probably not going to happen. But saying, using the, the Francis Ngannou fight versus John fight, is also unfair, I think, because, you know, Francis went to another promotion. He signed, he was being, I, to from what I've heard, he was being very, very difficult in contract negotiation. I just think that, yeah, with the current roster of guys that you, and, and women that UFC has, I think they do a fantastic job. So it's not that, you know, they're, they're not giving fights to the fans that don't spark our imaginations. I, I, I've, I can't name a time where I haven't seen a UFC card where I'm like, you know, especially the ones that I want to watch. You know, there are stinkers in there for sure, but all of these big fights always light up my imagination, and that's part of the reason why we both like to talk about
0: them. Oh, they do for us because we're fight fans, but <clears throat> I think Luke feels like you know, we've had a few big fights where ESP, UFC's on ESPN, but very rarely does like Sports Center cover the yeah. show UC's putting on, even though they're on ESPN. You know, they only do that when it's big, big like Conor McGregor or something like that. And I think that's kind of what Luke is alluding to. <laughs> we don't have the big fights in MMA, like boxing. Yeah, boxing, Boxing's going to have one with Spence and Crawford. Maybe we'll talk about that. That's going to happen on the same night as the Utah card, which has a couple of big fights on it. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. The, the stars don't align for the big, big stuff. The UFC puts out good fights all the time, but the big stuff... Where, like I said, you capture your imagination and everybody else's. That that doesn't happen a lot. The stars have to line for it.
1: That's a good. That's a good (laughs) point. But I think that's just a kind of that's just a question of finding an athlete that can be. So, for instance, what I'm trying to say is that would be less of an indication of what the matchmakers are doing, right, and more so an indication of the talent farming process. With some of the, you know, what I'm trying to say. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, but, but we can agree there. I think there is a lack of really like gigantic superstar type talents. In fact, I don't know if, I mean, you could probably name people that have countries behind them or nations behind them. It was like Volk. Um, man, uh, Khabib was like that. Connor was like that. But it's starting to get sparse. So, yeah, we could, we could, uh, we could definitely agree on that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a different kind of thing for sure. But uh, yeah, it's. Were was there any other kind of. MMA or combat sports topics that you wanted to cover on this one?
1: No, dude. I think I think we we had a, a great man. <laughs> I always enjoy coming on this, and I appreciate you, Todd, having me on, dude. I, I I really respect. You know, I know you were showing me some respect. I I really do respect what you do in the space, and you know, I know you're a humble guy, so you're not going to say, but. You know, anyone that listens to you knows that, that you're you're certified, and, and I really do thank you for letting me come on your platform. It, it means a lot, because I know as a guy with a platform myself, you know, how open you are, and I've told you this already over text, how open you are with other creators in the space is really refreshing, and it's awesome, and I appreciate it.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm glad I can do it, but yeah, I think, like I said, uh usually, I think you're a great speaker, you know, and um, you have... I don't know, whatever that is, you know, that you get from being in the radio or whatever it might be. People like me don't have that kind of stuff, you know, but I think that's why you you can. People like they should take chance on you doing different stuff, whatever it might be, you know, whether it's I
1: have to build my way up to the top. That's yeah. all it is.
0: I think I think you get add a lot of value to whatever, whether it's promotion or a show or something like that. I wouldn't That's be surprised great. if that happened. Like if it happened, I'd say, yeah, I figured that. You know.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, yeah, well listen, definitely. we got to do this again, man. <clears throat> yeah. uh, maybe I'll have you on uh, my platform. I don't do much long form stuff, but we could always do like a card breakdown or something like that at, uh, before one of these bigger UFC cards, maybe have you on for a fight companion where yeah. we're talking live about something. If you'd be interested, I'd be, sure, I'd be sure. down.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, tell people where they can find you and kind of follow some of the things of you're doing.
1: God, I gotta plug myself here. So, yeah, if you want to hear more of my probably hot takes that get a lot of people uh, very, very angry, you can go to uh, the Gloves Up YouTube channel. Uh, my Instagram is Coop TV. That's C O O O P TV. Um, I have all of my shows there. There's a link tree. You can go to my website uh, from there. And yeah, no. If it's YouTube, it's it's gloves up, G L O V E S U P. Don't know why I had to specify the spelling on that one, but yeah, man, I listen. That's that's my main kind of channels right now. I just started up a new YouTube channel with my buddy Josh as well, called Jake and Josh, where we're gonna kind of just uh, cover more pop culture type top uh, topics and stuff like that. So yeah, you can find me there, and uh, yeah, I, like I said, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's great talking to you. It's always cool to catch up with you and
1: do it again any
0: any other time for sure absolutely and everybody who's uh you know checks out these episodes i appreciate it and you know until next time take care now as always i want to thank people for taking the time to listen to these shows and uh, please check out my youtube channel which is todd atkins show please subscribe to that if you want to get the newest episodes kind of on time I usually release these episodes you know here and there in the days after I do them but if you want to see them you know that day basically you would uh, go to my YouTube channel and uh, just please subscribe Uh, it supports me and uh, share this podcast if you like it share it with some other people and uh, as always I'm going to keep putting out more episodes for you and uh, until the next time Appreciate it. Take care.